Welcome to Let's Talk Transportation, a podcast series of the Broward Metropolitan Planning Organization, also known as the MPA. We talk about the ins and outs of transportation in Broward County and all of Southeast Florida, why it matters, how it works, and the challenges and opportunities related to achieving great transportation. I'm your host, Greg Stewart, Executive Director of the MPA, and I'm joined by by Beam Fur, and I am a Broward County Commissioner with in District 6. Well, welcome, Beam. Uh, a lot of people always ask me, so what does Beam mean? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know you were going to start off with this, but okay. <laughs> um, I was actually born on January 21st, and my sister was giving me a Valentine's Day card on February 14th which is three weeks later. And she was in kindergarten, she couldn't spell. So she, instead of writing Be My Valentine, she stuck an A in the middle and it came out Be Me Valentine. <laughs> and my mom then wrote a musical called Be Me Valentine and I got stuck. I got, I had no, you know, I already had a real name. <laughs> Quentin right. is my real name, but I got stuck with that for uh, So that's actually pretty cool, yeah. you know. So when, what actually brought you down to Broward County? Came down here in 1969. Okay. So went to high school down here, junior high school, high school. So I've been here a long time. 69 is a while ago. I actually remember uh, we came down here, I want to say it was like 68 or 67. Okay. And that was pre-I-95 and all the rest of it. So it, was ju- it was just being built. Yeah. So when I would when I would have to, you know, when I would go surfing up coast, we would have to go partway Dixie Highway, partway Fort Lauderdale Turnpike, partway I-95, and then we'd get up there. Finally get up to, yeah. uh, where'd you go surfing in? Uh, Sebastian, <laughs> yeah. Fort Pierce. Oh, okay, okay. Surf a thousand years ago. Yeah, so it's and we'd leave four o'clock in the morning, and it'd be like it was a rough ride going all the way up Dixie and the whole bit. So watching sunrise at six a.m. is an amazing oh. thing on one of our on the old Florida roads. Yep. So yep. did those experiences influence you on the transportation system, or what could be? I mean, what brought you into the idea of working, or at least influencing transportation policy? Well, it definitely informed me in in giving in giving me a, the kind of the lay of the land of the area. Um, I, I also went to school in the Northeast, so I had a chance, and I, I lived in New York, I lived in Boston, so I had a chance to see those networks, how they worked. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, we've been car-centric here from the get-go. Um, since my first car, my 1954 Pontiac. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's just been that way, and it's gonna be a hard thing to shift. No two ways about it, but we all know what we're up against. We all are starting to see traffic jams that we never grew up with. And so, you know, we're going to have to adjust. We're going to have to adapt. And uh, I, I would love, I live near where the Hollywood is going to be having a train station. Right. And I cannot wait to be, I would love to be able to just walk over there, jump on a train and go north and south. And I think a lot of people would. Yeah, I, I, I talk to a lot of my relatives, I talk to a lot of friends, and they, they can't wait for that particular project. Mm-hmm. Even though we have tri-rail here, the people's train to the to the West Tracks by the building here, it's the idea of going from one downtown to another right. to be able to connect. So when you first ran for office, I'm going to say back, I guess it was Hollywood, and you were... 2000. Yeah. What, what was some of the issues that made you run? One of them, I mean, I, I moved into an area... That was a little iffy. Okay. Um, well, and I was on—I was a school teacher, making very, very little money, and I—I I bought where I could afford. Right. And it, um, 
it actually was a transportation pro- idea that that messed up the area. Okay. Because what they did is they put um, they they put barriers at the end of certain streets to try to prohibit navigability, and it walled off the area where I live and still live, and and really kind of ghettoized it. To be honest. Interesting. Yeah, and and I watched my property values absolutely drop. Because, Prop- the, because they closed off the road. Yeah, what they were doing is they were trying to trap all the criminals in one area, <laughs> and so I, you know I was in that area. And and uh, so I so I either I had to either move out of the area or I had to change the area yeah. and do it and I couldn't afford to move out of it so my I was um, my main thing was trying to make it a safe area right and and that blo- when you start doing that it blossoms into all kind of things because then you're looking at the the actual landscaping of the area the schools um, law law enforcement. Um, what businesses are there? It just kind of blossoms, and and so I found myself taking on all kind of different issues. So as I've interviewed some of the local politicians down here, and even some of the other folks, usually their story starts with, "Well, something happened in my neighborhood, or yeah. a sign went up, and then all of a sudden this road showed up." And so for you, it was actually they blocked you in. They blocked me in. <laughs> really fascinating. And it's still that way. Oh, really? It's still that way. Um, I mean, I. Have the property value? Well, I'm sorry. well, they've gone. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's it's funny because they, my property values went, you know, literally went down right for a number of years. Down, down, down. Now, because of proximity to um, the downtown, mm-hmm. and maybe because of proximity to railroad stations and stuff like that, now it's all going up again. Uh, you so, know, in a different so way. Do you see the? I mean, so that that land use slash transportation nexus. You know, now with the transit side coming in, what do you think? You know, from your own experiences in your neighborhood, what do you think is going to start happening along the different corridors now that the you know you with the county have released the Primo plan? And for those of who's listening, the Primo plan is a um, very very robust transit system for the entire county. So, what do you think that's going to do for the real estate side of the business? I think it really opens up possibilities. Um, for TODs, transit-oriented development, for, for instance, the railroad station is not too far from me. The area I live in is low to moderate income. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, it is ripe for redevelopment. There are many places that would make sense to aggregate and to build a little higher um, and, and for people to not even need a car. You know, perhaps just to be able to go to the railroad station or, you know, with the Primo plan to have uh, bus rapid transit um, to to get out of that part of it. You know, and the, so that begs the question, because I, I live in a moderate to low income area myself. Okay. I live uh, off of Sunrise Boulevard and okay. 15th yep. behind a Walgreens. OK. And, uh, you know, lots of interesting um, homeless population. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, um, when you think about the change in the uh, cost of living and the type of density that you know we're talking about, and I, 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 I'm not going to use the term um, gentrification because I don't think that's what you're saying. Where do you think that we as a community need to go to assist those folks as they're replaced in these particular areas? Well, I think what needs to happen, like in that area, that's an area that is... Um, 
It's like I said, it's ripe for redevelopment. It's it's a, it is somewhat affordable now, but a lot of people don't want to go there, right? Because they feel like it's not safe. And what you know, so it needs to go to a it needs to rise to a point where it's like people um, look at it as potential. Mm-hmm. You know, to to okay, I could live here. Um, uh, I mean, I've been there 30 years. I don't feel that way, but it's you own your home. Congratulations! I do own my home, <laughs> um, but it's. Uh, I think those that area, and it's a lot of the sw- in Broward County. Right. You're really talking about the swath, uh, all from from border to border up in uh, next to I-95. Right. This is an area that is, you know, we we have a real affordable housing crisis in Broward County. So we do. But there's actually a lot of places that people could live and that it, that are affordable. They just a lot of them don't want to live there. So it's up to us to make those areas um, safe and desirable. And and part of that being desirable is having a transit system access that has access to it. Right now we're building a lot of affordable housing rentals. Right. I I would really like to see that switch to the point where you're doing affordable housing and and if people could buy the condos mm. you know that then is that people are, have a chance to build equity they have a chance to build generational wealth um, that is being I, I don't want to see an entire generation lose out on that and so you know with the transit plan and as we kind of together we're building this mm-hmm. really bright future for access right um, you know, we talked a little bit on the affordable housing side, but let's also talk about, you know, the resiliency side, the climate change. Right. Because typically areas that are least affordable are the ones that we've made the biggest investments in to deal with climate change. How do, how do, you, how do you see that from your global view? On well, it's interesting that the, the places that are probably um, – more out of the flood zone let's let's just say yeah are actually those areas that are um on the tracks <laughs> yeah on the tracks like i'm right next to the tracks i'm near the tracks and when we just had this big flood yeah i was it, i was okay um but i you know you go right over the tracks right. and everybody was like it was a mess I, I, I to share with everybody on the phone uh or on, online uh, basically, we've uh, had a, a thousand-year flood event here in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood area, and 26 inches of rain fell within, you know, 24 hours or less. It, to be honest with you, it felt like 12 hours or less. But let's talk on the climate side thing, though. So, with the investments, how how do you see the county dealing with the transit system, with you know sea level rise, with you know thousand-year flooding events happening? Do you? Well, what we are doing right now is, that, and we are we are investing in a, it's about a three or four million dollar study. It's a vulnerability assessment. Okay. That will literally look uh, using lidar and every tool that we've got, hydrologic studies, um, to really look where is the most vulnerable parts of Broward County, not only for the roadways, but for all infrastructure. And then that what what that will do is inform us to where we need to to. Um, put resources, um, what roads we might need to raise. Um, I I think I was just talking with one of the commissioners from Dania and and the need to raise Dania Beach Boulevard. I know I don't even have to have a $3 million study. I already know that that it floods. And, 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 you know, they're going to have to figure out that and A1A right down, you know, where it connects. Those are prone to flooding in the, I'm not even on high tide. Right. So 
um, we know where we know where a lot of this is going to go. You know, I actually wanted to like bring you back onto the transportation side because you know, one of the other things that I, I I look at that has amazed me in my career here is that uh, the effort you put in when you showed up on the county commission for the sales tax mm. for the transportation sales tax. And you know, on behalf of all of us that are transportation geeks, thank you. Um, I, but I remember meeting with you, and you weren't on the MPO at the time, or the right. Metropolitan Planning Organization. You were, you know, county commissioner and a couple other boards you were on. But did you really ever see yourself in that role that you were going to be advocating for a, a surtax for transportation? When- no. <laughs> no, I didn't. But um, I guess after, because I'd been on the county commission for three or four years prior to that. Right. And then when I became mayor, um, I saw it as an opportunity. Good. I saw this is this is something that could change Broward for year for thirty years, oh, yes. for the generations, and you know because of the the type of government we have, we don't have a you know mayor every you know for yeah um, no strong mayor no strong mayor, um, but you do have an opportunity. You have a slight bit of um, extra whatever. Yeah. to be able to push and so when we had our retreat that year yeah. um, as mayor I said uh, what I wanted to do right and I said I, I said this is this is an opportunity and I, and I know I, I had everybody saying this is not the right year it's an off year including me and I think you as well I think everybody and we in fact we had a meeting I'm right. looking right across the, where you, people can't see it because it's a podcast but we were in a meeting and there were people in there saying wrong year the writers aren't going to be the ones who would be voting it's not a, it's not a presidential year um, all these it was like a 10 million reasons I'm going this county is seeing what's what they're having to deal with they're dealing with transportation right. jams this is higher on their on everybody's list than everybody realizes and it won by yeah, almost a super majority, right? Yeah, it wasn't, I think it wasn't sixty-seven percent. Yeah, it was huge. That was a huge amount. Yeah. And um, all I know is my colleagues around the country. When I was telling them we were doing this, even they were, "Oh, you're nuts! You're absolutely nuts!" And I'm like, "But we're doing it." And it won. So were you surprised, or you just knew your gut told you it was going to happen? It was a. It was a. It was a gamble. <laughs> That's it fair. A, but it was a. It was a, an educated gamble. Um, that was like, this is this is worth worth giving it a shot, because we just lost. Right, right. Two years early. Bigger thing that had just happened, the wave had just been canceled. Right. And I looked at, and part of when that got canceled, I, I also I also thought about this. I said most everybody that said they they were against the wave said they're not against mass transit. Right, right. That's true. They said we're not against mass transit. We're just against this. So I said okay. I'm going to call your bluff on this. Yeah. I said, if you're saying you want from mass transit, then we need you being in favor of this. Right. And thankfully, those a lot of those people that might be called naysayers, they said okay. They coalesced around the. They coalesced around the idea that this is a bigger picture. That's great. And and so a lot of the op- what was the opposition was no longer the opposition. And I think if, you know, when I looked at that, because there was no organized opposition to it, which is, which is one of the reasons it passed. 
and, and, and folks around the country look to us and yeah. say, how did this happen? How is, I talk to folks, whether it's in Salt Lake City or in um, St. Louis, they're always asking. It's just like, well, how did this work? And, you know, explain to me. And I, I try to, I tell them and they're like, but everyone tells you that's not how you do it. And maybe some, maybe the, well, maybe they have to you have to cancel something big. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't think people forward. realize most people when if they were looking at that they wouldn't look at that as one of the um, main reasons it passed causation. But but I look at that as when I'm because I'm looking at it from you know all the different groups I talk to, right. and I and I said we need to we need you on our side on this because it was hard to get. Um, the city's really on the side because they they had just uh, the the one that we, we that had just failed had more money going to them. They didn't, and, and that's why we also made sure with this that there was ten percent minimum going to all the cities. And then they once they got saw that they were they they kind of said okay, well we won't we won't go against it. We're not going to go right. full hog for it, but we're not going to fight it either. We're not going to fight it. Uh, Beam Fur, Commissioner Fur, I'm going to ask you to come back on another podcast and we'll go over certain projects that are coming up, like the FECR or up the Broward uh, Coastal Rail System, some of the east west stuff, the light rail, talk a little bit about the airport. But thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. And thank you for your service with thanks. us. Thanks a lot. I, there's a lot of great stuff happening. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're part of it. The whole MPO is part of it, and it's it's a it's a bright light, you know. Yeah, we're, it's we're, a it's a lot of good stuff coming our way. We have a north star. Thank yes. you, sir. Thank you. The Let's Talk Transportation podcast is produced by the Broward MPO, where every day we fund and implement projects that move people and goods, create jobs, and strengthen communities. Learn more at BrowardMPO.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Speak Up Broward. If there is a transportation topic you'd like to know more about, let us know by sending an email to info at BrowardMPO.org.